Hello and welcome to a late night latte on Latte Firm. I know Arsenal played on Friday. I know it's been a few days and we've not had any content over the weekend. My apologies. There was no post-match phone in. Gav was under the weather. I was at home nursing my son who had a fever. We just didn't get around to doing it. Then, of course, a weekend full of football. The flatness of that result on Friday, which we will talk about. And, of course, as we look ahead to the big game. It's the big one. The title showdown at the Etihad, Manchester City versus Arsenal, the Arsenal. Um, it's going to be a good show, guys. Hopefully some therapy from Friday night. But as we look forward to what could be a really decisive game for Arsenal in this title race, that's right, title race. Arsenal are still five points clear. I know we've played two games more, but we are top of the Premier League game with just a handful of games to go. And Manchester City are hunting us down and it's going to be a big game. So I want to get everybody's thoughts. If you're watching, drop a like on the video, subscribe to the channel if you're new. We're very, very close to 20,000 subscribers now, which I'm immensely grateful for. Uh, but do get involved in the chat. And to the chat, we shall go straight away. First in the house was Salahuddin, who says, hi, everyone. Who is up for Wednesday like me? I'll tell you what, Salahuddin, I've been to work. I'll be looking after my sick kid. I cannot think of anything else apart from being at the Etihad and watching Manchester City take on Arsenal. What a massive game it's going to be. V Vlad also in the chat. Hey, FK, hey everyone. Hope everyone's had a good day. Still so disappointed with the Southampton game and the way we gave them cheap goals. Looking forward to Wednesday. Come on, you gunners. It was so cheap, V Vlad. The way we threw that away, we should be, you know, Seven points clear, 11 points clear going into the Etihad. If you think about West Ham and Liverpool, really is sort of heartbreaking stuff. The Arsenal ramble. Hey, Arsenal ramble. Let's get this win. Come on, you gunners. Absolutely. Terence Tibbs in the house. Wagwan and Shalom's people. I love that. Multicultural, multi. I love that. I just love that. Uh, Afsar underscore gunner says, even though we have lost the PL title, but I'm still proud of this young team. Is that Yem in disguise? Yembele, is that your burner account? Are you, uh, are you, you know, chucking some? We're going to talk about Yembele. He's been doing my head in with his interruptions and his negativity. I can see him like steam coming out of his ears in the back in the background in the studio. Uh, Michael Obi says the end game is near for City or for Arsenal. Uh, get all your comments in. We will absolutely get through some of the comments. Whack them up on screen. A relaxed show tonight, okay? So let's bring in some of the panelists. First up, he does need no introduction. It is, of course, Mr. Negative himself, Negative Nancy. Uh, Yembele, how are you? Sir? I have not been negative today, have I? I'm sure you were negative in the. In the I chat have not been WhatsApp today. I have point. not. I'm been sure. At like, there's not today. a day that there's not a day that goes past without you being negative or moaning nah, about nah, something. Nah. I have. I've been too busy today. I've been. I've been too busy to moan. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's go. good. That's, that's good. That's all right. Welcome, my man. Um, we will talk about Southampton. We will look ahead to the big game in Manchester. Uh, but have you have a good day, good weekend. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the cup semi-finals. Mate, I've, mate, my news day got even better. You know, about 5.15-ish, I checked the news and obviously there was a lovely little statement on Twitter from uh, Daniel Levy. It was a nice little message to the uh, yeah, Spurs faithful Spurs. about... A message Honestly. from Daniel. I mean, what a club. We will talk <laughs> about Spurs maybe towards the end because... As everything goes, you can always rely on Spurs being that joke at the end exactly. of the day. Uh, let's bring in King Cobra himself from the Cobra Cry. Sorry, from the Latte Families, <laughs> of course. Wally, uh, at one, Wally, one. Wally, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm loving the the outfit, man. Do you do you ever wear anything on point? On point. Uh, it's on yeah, point. It is on point. Yeah. Your hair's on point. Your beard's <laughs> on point. Your headset's on point. I love it. I, I'm I'm ready um, for Wednesday. I'm ready for Wednesday. That's why I'm sitting here in Arsenal gear because I'm ready. As soon as you're here, one o'clock, we're out that door. I'm already ready. <laughs> That's it. That's it, mate. As soon as I'm done with my meetings at work, I'm gonna go and pay my mum a visit. Uh, just set set you know get myself on the North Circular straight down to Heathrow, obviously. 
uh, straight down to Downing Street where you live and uh, pick you up and we go. <laughs> it's good to have you on the show, man. Look, you both live next to each other in Torishire. There's nothing, there's no distance between <laughs> number you. Number 10, number 11. Uh, right, let's bring in, let's bring in the final uh, panellist of tonight. It is, of course, uh, my fellow co-host from the post-match phone It's Wayne. Wayne, how are you, man? I'm doing good, thank you. First of all, thank you for having me back. It's always um, it's always really good to chat with you guys and, and be invited back to the firm. I will say, though, I was doing fine, and then I realised and I remembered that you invited me onto this tonight. So the anxiety that built up as I uh, had to go hunting for snacks, because I remember the last time I was on, I think it was you and I and Yem, and we were joined by the lovely Colleen, and I think Colleen and I, and possibly you or yeah, three of us didn't have snacks. So this time I've come very, very well prepared because the chat was not happy with me last time. Mate, uh, I have done something terrible and I've completely forgotten about snack check tonight. So hopefully you can you can cover for all of us. But in fact, let's get it out of the way now. Yembele's shaking his head in disagreement already, moaning. Here we go. Minute into the stream and he's already on the moan. Come on in, Vert59. Usman Yembele. Uh, what have you got for snack check tonight? I have got a salted caramel dairy milk, and I can't taste the salted caramel one jot. All I taste is caramel. So, oh, really? That's a nice shout, though. A bit of dairies on a night like this, Monday night, go hard. You know, I like it. I like it. Are you going to polish the whole bar tonight, or are you just going to take little, little, you know, one, one bit by one? I've taken one bit. I think I'm going to get through half, and then because it's man, we're talking about the Man City and Southampton games. Maybe might get through the whole thing actually. Oh god, I just remember. Yeah, I think you're probably gonna end up doing that. Uh Wally, you got a snack check tonight or are you just done after dinner? Yeah, yeah. I mean listen, I've got uh what have I got? I've got these uh party Bloody makers. Hell. You know, mate. He's gonna get through your, all of those. Find, <laughs> yeah, find your find your nearest Polski sklep, right? Okay. <laughs> get these. You will not regret it, I assure you. Noted, my friend. Are they like the chocolate wafer type biscuits? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah mate, you, just, you just eat one or two, and then next thing you know, the bag's gone. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. Well, thank you and welcome for that. And uh, Mr. Wayne, how are you going to show the world your snack check tonight? Well, because it is obviously in the build-up to Manchester City, I, um, I need double the amount of treats to kind of pre-drown my sorrow. So we've gone for some nice old chocolate biscuits. Classic. You cannot knock those. <laughs> And then as a dessert, a Snickers a dessert. ice cream bar. <laughs> ice cream bar. <laughs> hold on, hold on. You're going to have to go with that first. You have to go with that first. No, That's no, going to no, melt no, on you. Hey, I'm going to put the biscuit <clears> on no. the Snickers and we're just going to be in the cloud. Yes! <laughs> just, just on ice creams, right? Just Let's, let's, get, let's get the chat going on this. Um, do you guys, when you take ice cream out of the freezer, and it's got to be an ice cream, I'm not talking like scoops. I'm talking like a proper Snickers bar, Magnum bar. Do you open it straight away and crack into it? Or do you let it settle for a bit and get a little bit soft? No, I go straight into it. I like. I go straight in. I know Yem like goes straight in. You guys all yeah. go straight in. Come on, there's got yeah, to be no, someone watching tonight. It's right in front. It's right in front of me. No. So when I get a Magnum, or if I get a Snickers in particular, or even a Mars chocolate elite, leave it on the table. Just just like five seven minutes. Let it just get a little. Five bit soft. seven minutes. That's a travesty. Come on, this guy. That's a travesty. Do you, know, you, do you know what it uh, is? Five, these guys right, are all disgusted. Okay. Go on, Wally. Five, five to seven if i leave it there for even a minute right it's gone with kids about like it is yes. gone i will never see it again 
Right. <laughs> you, you take it out, you either eat it or they will. So that's but when you haven't got the kids near you or with you or if you, you know, missus is away and taking the boys as you strategically uh, let them go every now and again. Just... I'm not leaving this for five Bro, I'm, tr- I'm telling you, Wayne. No, no. I'm telling you, try it. Try it. Uh, let us let me know what in the chat, what you think. Ice cream, as soon as you get it out of the fridge, uh, non-scoop ice cream, do you leave it for a few minutes just to kind of let it, you know, get a little bit softer? Do you just tuck straight in and break your teeth? Uh, let me know. Uh, right, James in the chat says, Evening, lads, been looking forward to this one. All is not lost coming you gunners i love the positivity james i'm there with you um and i'm gonna believe as lewis hogan also says lewis welcome to tonight's show mra evening everyone really nervous about tomorrow well it's not tomorrow uh because if it was tomorrow i'd be panicking uh it's wednesday night but let's go and get the three points guys absolutely uh guaca flocker I flipping love that username. Tell me in the chat what that means. He says, believe. Hashtag come on you gunners. I'm assuming that's a he, but let me know. Trevor Bibbins in the house. Good night, FK. Good night, everybody. Love that. Dan Riddick. Anfield 89. Reload it, he says. Uh, there is a slide that refers back to some of our famous title wins. I know Ginger Goon is saying, how dare you, FK? I've really let the team down with a, with a snack check tonight. I shall make it up for you. Nav R. Snack check. I've got some Aldi hazelnut chocolate and the fruit and nut. You know, I've never been to an Aldi. I don't, is, is there one near us, Yembele? Is there one in Loughton, Buckersteel, somewhere? There's I'm one sure in um, Chingford's, Chingford, you know, right opposite Costco. Right opposite Costco. That has to be okay. the most Tory thing you've said. <laughs> I was I've just never thinking that. Hold on, Walid. Let's complete the circle. Walid, have you actually been to a little? Have you been to Aldi or little, or do you just go to Fortnum and Mason? Uh, moving to... on then. <laughs> moving on. Ah, the silence. <laughs> Anthony four eight seven says roasted peanuts, lemon mint. Hey, as in lemon mint roasted peanuts, or is that roasted peanuts and then a lemon mint for dessert? Mate, I don't even know what that's about. Anthony, let me know in the chat. Let me know. Let me know. Uh, Matthew's in the chat saying evening all. Anthony follows up by saying always straight in ovs. Um, Ginger Guna, I have sensitive teeth, so I let it soften for sure. Do you know what? I don't have sensitive teeth, luckily, but. Yeah, the, the softened ice cream bar. There's nothing like it. Right. Listen, we've had a lot of chat. Uh, Andy Love in the house. I agree. Okay, the, the coating of chocolate on slightly melted ice cream is delicious. You know it, my man. You know it. He knows. Andy Love always bringing the love, bringing the facts. Uh, Josh, Mrs. Josh washing again as always. FK, come on, you gunners. I love that. Thanks, Josh. Thanks, Mrs. Josh, for putting up with all this stuff. Right. Let's do it. We will go straight into the slide deck, guys. And the first slide, it's a slightly different running order tonight. Uh, you shall see why. We're not going to go into Southampton into too much detail, but I am going to rip it off like a plaster. Um, another draw. This time, 3-3 at the Emirates, guys. Uh, it was a very, very long story. These are some really painful images. Looking back at them just makes me feel sad. Putting the slides together earlier makes me feel sad. But Wayne, coming to you first. It's been a couple of days. The dust has settled. We've been bantered off over social media now for three draws in a row. We should have been 11 points clear going into the Etihad. We should have been maybe even seven points clear after Friday. But we are five points clear and City have got uh, the two games in hand. We drew 3-3 against bottom of the table Southampton. Some would say peak Barclays. How are you feeling two days on? Um, How have you digested this result? And what sort of mood has it left you in? Wayne, you go first. Um. Honestly, I think for that first 24 to 48 hours, the best way I could put it is I felt like a state of mourning because it was so surreal. It was so strange to me that, listen, I always had in the back of my mind, it was always a possibility that Manchester City was going to overtake us and potentially win this league. But I didn't see us losing it potentially the way that we might end up losing it with back-to-back draws against West Ham in a relegation fight 
been the situation where we were up 2-0, cruising, comfortable, and out of nowhere, we just kind of get complacent and, and then get caught out. Following that up with, I didn't even consider anything less than three points against Southampton. Like, it was just always in my mind that we were going to walk this. It's just the way that we went about getting this draw. And the fact that we ended up with a draw in the first place, coming back in, what, after the 88th minute or something like that, it was just a roller coaster of emotions. That two-day period after, I think I just needed to decompress. It just felt like, I felt really sad. Like, I've not felt sad about Arsenal for a while. It just suddenly hit me that we kind of arsenaled it a little bit. But then Spurs happened and I was back up and sort of laughing again. So um, let's head on to Manchester City. Forget those games now. And I'm sure we'll talk about it. Anytime we've gone on to win the league, we've kind of done it the hard way and we've won it at one of our main rivals stadiums. So let's try and do that again. Well, we will focus on the City game, and I do want to talk about the Southampton game just a little bit, so bear with us a couple of, for a couple of slides. But I think I'd echo your thoughts, Wayne. I felt completely heartbroken on Friday night because I felt after the West Ham game, which of course was painful, Yem and I were in the West Ham fans having to watch that game at the London Stadium, and you know we were 2-0 up and to have to fake sort of stand up with interest as Saka missed the penalty was awful. Um, and then to watch the game on Friday the way we let them score so early, then they went 2-0 up, and of course it was Theo. Theo, I love Theo Walcott. He scored that goal, made that run time and time again for Arsenal, brought back so many sort of weird memories, but 2-0, and then the way we sort of finished the game, just so strong, eight minutes injury time, Trossard hitting the bar, like it was just a, a very exhausting experience, and I couldn't bring myself to watch any football on the Saturday. Like I just couldn't, I'd, I had no interest in the Premier League fixtures, I kind of tuned into Man City, merely hoping for a red card or two or a couple of muscle pulls. But like it was the most boring, robotic game of football in an empty stadium because neither club could really fill their allocation. It was a very weird Saturday for me. Sunday came round, watched the United game, really wanted Brighton to win. I thought they were hard done by to lose on penalties. And then, of course, as we've already said a couple of times in today's show, Spurs always, always managed to, you know, bring it out of the bag and, and deliver when, when you're when you're the lowest in life. You can always rely on Spurs. Um, Wally, I want to come to you as well, because obviously I, I missed the game on Friday. I couldn't go. My son was really poorly. You took your boy um, and it was a crazy game because we were chasing so hard up until the 85th minute. We didn't have a single shot on target in that second half. And then it sort of swung and, you know, you, so many people had left, it seemed, on TV so early because they thought the game was resigned. What was it like being in the stadium, man? Um, yeah, I mean, when, when they scored the third goal, um, there was there was quite a few people that left. And as kind of the game went on, more and more people started leaving. Uh, I'll be honest, I was, I, I'm glad I took my boy to the game because he kind of kept my mind off the disappointment because obviously he's only eight years old, right? So um, he's there, he wants to see Bukayo Saka, he wants to see Gabriel Jesus. And uh, at kind of 3-1, um like block nine was you could hear a pin drop right generally but my son was the only one that just kept going red army red army right and when when we came back to three three he was so happy he was so happy right okay because for him all he knows is that we're going to be top of the table he doesn't understand like the larger implications of it right okay and i didn't have the heart to tell him that well you know it's not a good result so i was really happy for him so it kind of kept my mind off the disappointment of it all 
um, but kind of leaving the stadium, you could feel kind of the energy just to drop around everyone um, because because of what we witnessed. And you know, uh, when w when the extra time went up, a lot of people really thought we were going to do it. Right? I personally didn't quite feel that way, but yeah, a lot of people really thought we were going to do it, but then it didn't happen. So you know, kind of the energy levels just dropped a bit. I've got to say, watching it on TV when the injury time went up, part of me was like, oh my God, this, this is going to happen. We're going to do it. Because we were piling the pressure on. And Trossard, you know, when he hit the bar, I think that was the moment where I thought, ah, it's not going to happen. By the way, Anthony487, lemon pudina, so mint in English, seasoning on roasted peanuts. Sounds a delight, actually, the more I think about it. Thanks for sharing that. Um, I thought it was going to happen. Um, yeah, just before we talk about a couple of sort of stats and turning points in the game, just very quickly before we talk about the headline uh, headline act, if you like. Um, these images, as you can see, very painful. Like Saliba watching on from the bench, Reese Nelson looking up to the heavens, Gabriel Jesus to his knees, Gabriel, who's just been a colossal all season on the floor. Um, a lot of people have looked at these images and said, Arsenal have, this is the moment of realisation that the Premier League title has slipped away for Arsenal. I think this is just sheer exhaustion from exerting effort in a game like that. There was eight minutes injury time. Second half, there was seven minutes, I think, in the first half. It was a very long affair on that Friday night. How do you think the boys are feeling? Uh, and when you look at these pictures, is this resignation in the title race or is this just sheer exhaustion from that night? I think it's a bit of both, unfortunately. I think, they'd, as you said, they'd given a lot, you know, you know, those last 20 minutes, they were really pushing to try and get the goals, especially into that last 10 minutes, you know, really pushing hard every attack, wave after wave. But I also think they knew, you know, they had, you know, they had messed up. That first, you know, to go 3-1 three, three, down and to, you know, the the effort level, the implications, you... you they they would be fools if they didn't realise it. So I, I think it's a bit of both. And unfortunately, you know, when you give that much effort and you're mentally thinking, this is it, if we're not doing it, you know, I could if I put myself in that position saying, oh God, we're going to really slip out and, and we're going up against a very, very good team in Manchester City, I could imagine it will be very, you know, mentally heavy on them. So I can totally understand the pictures. Look, look at Saliba. That's not a... 3-3 exertion, that's a realisation of we really have given it to them, haven't we? You know, it, it, it's just a shame that, you know, after all that, as as the boys have said, that all that work to get back into it, you know, we really thought eight minutes on the table, we were going to do it, and unfortunately it wasn't to be. It, it's, it is disappointing, and I think they knew mentally it was, it, it was going to be challenging. Do, do either of you guys agree with that? For me, I'm still, even though I've heard you, Jim, yeah, loud and clear, I think there is an element of, obviously, disappointment, like it's sort of slipping away. But I don't think that these guys were in that moment thinking, we fucked it. I think they're just thinking, we're just gutted because we fucked it tonight. Like, we've not, we're not out of the title race. Wally, I know you used to see you nodding there. Which way, which sort of side of the fence are you on? Yeah, no, I think um, when you, being there, kind of, you saw the amount of physical exertion and everything. They... Not a single player out there left left anything behind, right? They come, they all completely emptied their tanks um, in that um, in 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 that in that second half, and I think there's just a little bit of uh, regret in terms of how we started the game. 
and the, the number of missed chances as well um, because we were so close obviously so Trossard he hit the he hit the crossbar I think uh, there was another shot he took that just took a slight deflection and went wide you know and um, Nelson as well just wide we, yeah that's right and then um, there was also one of the shots that got cleared off the goal line um, I think that was at 2-1 but yeah I mean they, they left everything on that pitch and uh, you know so close and they realized that they, they realized we made it very very tough for ourselves at the moment yeah it really was wayne do you want to come into that as i just bring on the next slide um you know is it resignation i think ash in the chat has just said i don't think they've given up sorry to cover you wayne temporarily just huge right. disappointment about the performance that night i think it's i do think it's a mixture of both and i think the thing that i didn't think it at, at the time i just thought they were just shattered and exhausted the the thing that kind of put a little bit of pause in my mind was the Gabriel Jesus kind of comments after the game where he was talking about the inexperience and and sort of not being there to have won it as as a group and stuff like that so I think that kind of did run through maybe a few of their minds but look given the circumstances of that game I can imagine that obviously we're fans we're watching it them being involved in it they were probably just as shocked as we were just that the scenario that had happened because they go through training, they practice everything that we we've seen Arsenal do all season. I'm, I can imagine that they were as shocked as we were that that game had played out the way that it did. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, look, what I would say before we look at the stats, if we played that game 10 times this week, we win that nine times. Like I'm convinced of that. I think, I know we got off to a terrible start. Aaron Ramsdale there with his sort of, you know, hand over his face. We'll talk about that in just a second. Maybe I'll bring you in, uh, Yemen Wally, on that. But, you know, we did end the game strong. We had lots of chances on goal. So if you look at the uh, sort of stats, 2.8 XG to 1.4, 25 shots on goal from Arsenal, eight from Southampton. Uh, but only, only a small number on target. And that's been a, a running theme, certainly in recent sort of games. You know, I do the stats, obviously, as you guys know, every week. The, you know, the percentage proportion of shots that we have on goal to to being on target, really, really low execution, which is surprising. Possession-wise, Bostit, of course, chasing from from literally the first minute. Um, Alcaraz obviously scoring from, from that Ramsdale howler. Um, you look at the shot map, okay, actually none of our chances were that great. There's that one big circle on that left-hand side just outside the six-yard box, but actually XG for all of the shots, not as great as they normally are. Southampton effective clinical in front of goal Theo Walcott needless to say finished that really well um yeah Ramsdale's saving us one week at Anfield made a bit of a clangor on Friday night to give Southampton that first goal um I've seen a lot of people tweeting about you know Ramsdale and maybe you know Wally I'll bring you into this because I think one of your tweets Wally was you don't think he's gonna be elite like maybe he's sort of this maybe maybe there's a ceiling but but yeah you bring us into the chat first I mean it was it was just a shock it was just an awful you know sort of hospital pass into midfield and it was intercepted and of course they scored yeah but the, the fact is a you know Aaron Ramsdale's game is playing those riskier passes he's not a safe goalkeeper by nature he, he generally does well with his part with his distribution but there have been moments where, you know, this season where he has dropped it a little bit. And unfortunately, this one led to a goal. And, and it was it was a really bad one because we could see that there, the gap wasn't there. And I don't know what he thought, but unfortunately, whatever what he did try led to a goal. And 
I don't know if he's going to be elite. The, the question is, is that there are good elements to his game. He is 24 years old. He's young enough. Is he Has he got enough to take him to that top level? His distribution needs work. I think he's got good distribution in, in the most part, but there are... There are areas, certainly, especially with his, you know, decision making. His penalties are not the greatest. You know, we've seen it now this season. It's pretty weak. I think that's one area. His command of the area as well is a lit, needs work. These are all areas that he has tied up. He's 24 years old. I think we're putting a lot of pressure on a player who has done very well for us. But on this occasion, in this game, the first few minutes, he looked really really shaky it's probably the shakiest i've seen him he was dropping you know after that goal he dropped another one nearly and it was yeah not a great start for him unfortunately v vlad says ramsdale has to do better but more importantly this theme of us conceding so early is very concerning and ash uh before i bring you in while he says you can't underestimate how destabilizing it is to go one nil down after 20 seconds that's right game plan just straight out the window uh wally to yem's point yem's just said that he doesn't think ramsdale will be elite you kind of shared that on twitter um within the last couple of days is that is that still your feeling because keepers do peak late keepers do play on until they're sort of mid 30s late 30s He's got time, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, he's got a lot of time. And, uh, you know, I've, as I said, it, it, I could very, very easily be wrong. Um, it's just that he's been here, I think, you know, this is his second season. And one of the things that you want to see the goalkeeper kind of really make large strides in is being able to do what top goalkeepers do, where they're not either called upon okay, but can still perform. And this is one of the things that me and you discuss pretty much almost every match day, right? Okay, that Aaron Ramsdale needs to make that first save before you he's, before he settles into a game. And I've seen, I've observed him for, uh, for, for a while. I take particular interest in goal, goalkeepers and how they perform. And he seems like the type he needs to make that first save. And there's still a lot of... Um, there's still a lot of remnants of how he was like in Sheffield United still in him, right? You One thing you notice is that when we have backs to our goal, like we did against Liverpool, he was sensational because he's used to being in that. That's his, that's his comfort zone, right? And over the, over the course of this season, I would have liked to see him come out of there a little bit, right? Okay, and be kind of good both when, when we have backs against our walls and not as well. So I think kind of, it's it's still very early days, and I don't want to be harsh. I don't think he was particularly bad in this game, but there's a little bit of growing up to do um, for him. Uh, you look at the likes. Of, I know it's easier for attackers, but you look at, look at the likes of Saka, Martinelli, and these guys, right? Okay, every game they're on it because they're thinking about their football. Whereas I feel like Ramsdale, you know, he's thinking about several different things, um, and his concentration level is still not where. A lot of us would like to see it, to, to, to see it. But again, kind of 24 years old is nothing, right? Okay, and he he can very easily get there. Yeah, you're right. He's still young. I mean, I also think that when a goalkeeper makes a mistake, it's a lot more announced because obviously if a goalkeeper is going to make a mistake, it normally leads to a goal. And if an outfield player mis- makes a mistake, there's, there's always another layer that the opposition team have to kind of go through. I, f- I feel for him. I think he's made some great saves. I think overall he's had a much more positive sort of season than than 
one that's been you know not so contributory to where we are in the league ash ash again in in the chat saying uh, he's normally brilliant with his feet which is terrible timing he also goes on to say his distribution one of the best in europe his 1v1 is good aerial game isn't the best to kind of uh, reinforce yem's point afsar compare uh, saying bringing david seaman to coach rambo just on david seaman he was 39 years old when he made that save at old trafford against paul pesca salido from sheffield united just just saying 15 years he's got uh, was in the chat was well, nice to hear from you as well ramsdale has made many incredible saves of late especially since holdings inclusion his value with his feet is immeasurable if you play that way you'll make the odd error uh, that game is uh, game risk reward yeah i think you're absolutely right with that um ginger guna says coaching a keeper against penalties it's simple here's the information we have about his previous pens go out there and do your best and on top of that just train the wrist and finger strength uh, yeah there was a funny moment yesterday in the uh, cup final when david de Gea kept going over to his towel looking at a little piece of paper and he literally didn't get a finger on any of the penalties i thought that was quite amusing uh wayne i want to bring you into the chat as you can see southampton have scored three that's another three goals being conceded by arsenal and there you can see the attacking threat chart as dominant as we are and as dominant as we ended the game southampton had moments and they had key moments and again i don't want to make it into the rob holding show but there is clearly a trend here or there's a positive correlation with William Saliba not being in the team, we have now conceded a quarter of our goals for the entire season in just the five games that William Saliba has missed. Is it is that a basic conclusion for me to reach? Am I being unfair on 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 holding and building up Saliba too much, or is that actually the reality that the drop in quality is so much that the team suffers and we have just been conceding poor goals? No, I, I, I think it's spot on, unfortunately, and. I think the basic thing is obviously you have the conversations with Arsenal fans and Arsenal fans see that Rob Holden is not directly at fault for a goal. So he's not the one that's giving the ball away like Aaron Ramsdale did for that first goal. But indirectly, just his kind of, and not to, not to sound rude, his kind of presence creates that situation because you can guarantee if Saliba's there, I don't think Aaron Ramsdale even tries to force that pass into the midfield into Zinchenko or party. I think he just plays it out and brushes it to Saliba. But obviously with Rob Holden being sort of a little bit limited, let's say, on the ball, by comparison to Saliba, I think that's got players just second-guessing their positions. It's got players second-guessing sort of their repetitions of where they pass the ball, where they're expecting the ball to be. And I just think it's had a knock-on effect with everything. And you saw as soon as we went 2-0 down, Thomas Partey's position just completely changed. He basically went into, especially in our, particularly in our build-up, sorry, into a back three. He was bringing the ball out from centre-back. And that's not something that Thomas Partey should really be doing. That alone then creates a massive sort of gap in our midfield, which is impossible for him to then cover. And it created so many chances just for Southampton to run through, run through on our goals. So just Rob Holding being there and what he is limited at is... Uh, you can't say it's indirect. You can't say it's indirectly caused sort of our poor defensive structure of late because we're we're conceding so many chances, let alone goals. West Ham had twenty plus shots, I think it was, and we don't concede that many shots. So I just think his presence and just the fact that we have to drop off five ten yards because we can't play the high line, and there's a lot more space in between our midfield and our defence because he can't really cover as much ground. It's just causing a knock-on effect to everyone, and and it's just been really at a disappointing time in the season. 
Yeah, there's a mixed opinion in the chat. Um, I think Omar Dino says, disagree. At home, even with Saliba, we've only kept three clean sheets. And Loopy9669 says, lol, it's such a cheap scapegoat. It is, and that's why I asked the question. Uh, you know, for me, I have my opinions on Rob Holding. I've aired them before on the channel before, so I won't bore you guys with that again. But I do feel that has contributed to the build-up how we don't build up as effectively as we do with Saliba, the gaps that, that Wayne's just talked about, Thomas Party. I think there was someone here, Ash was saying Party's having to get through so much work. He's doing two or three jobs because of the spaces in between the players. It's just seemed to have increased. Uh, Arov says, holding isn't directly at fault. I think the lack of Saliba's presence causes others, such as Gabriel and Party, to panic. Yeah, that's just a fair shout. Um, I want to end this Southampton talk because we want to focus on and try and be a bit more optimistic. But um, uh, Wally, I just want to finish this with you. In terms of our attacking threat, there's been a lot of chat about Gabriel Jesus and he needs to be more effective in front of goal. Um, we have, as you can see from the attacking threat chart, bossed the game. Yes, Southampton took their chances, took them well. We created 20, 20 odd shots from the last slide and only had sort of six on target. Does Gabriel Jesus have to do better in games and moments like this? Um, he did, of course, go on a 10 game run where he didn't score a goal before the World Cup. Now, all of a sudden, I know he got a goal at um, at West Ham and, and at Craven Cottage, but is he doing enough? Um, is that going to be the difference? You know, you've got a goal-scoring terminator at Manchester City and we're sort of struggling in that number nine position. We're getting goals from wide, but we're not getting them through the central focal point up top. What are your thoughts, Wally? Um, no, I think people are being a little bit harsh. We, here's the thing, right? We've We've known Gabriel Jesus is not the best finisher. But what he brings to the game, there is not a single player in our squad that can do that, right? Um, I know we enjoyed seeing Trossard up top, right? Don't get me wrong. And he's very, Trossard is very, very good in that he makes himself so difficult to mark because he's always on the move here and there. But with Gabriel Jesus, you get that and you get the level of physicality up top as well, where he can hold the ball up, he can bring in players like Odegaard, Shaka, and you see as soon as kind of he came back, Shaka started scoring again because he's he's getting more joy up top. He's seeing the ball a bit more in those areas. And Je Jesus, he is he is one of the key reasons that we've done so well uh, this season. And, and we really, really did miss him. And I think kind of a lot of the criticism towards him is a bit harsh. He absolutely could have done better in some of those finishes, especially that ball that Martinelli played over the top, really should have scored that. But everything else that he does, he the chaos factor that he produces inside the box is what results in us having so many touches in opposition areas because he's so good at holding the ball up. He's so good at uh, moving it around on his feet. Um, I'd love to see him score more goals, but he's doing his thing. And for me, he, he's undroppable for me. I agree with you. Um, I really agree with you. It's going to be uh, interesting to see... Um what happens on Wednesday, of course, against his former club. Uh, right, let's move on to where it sort of leaves us. So chaps and viewers, as you guys can see, the league table uh, as of the weekend. Look, we're still top, as I said at the start of the show. We are still five points clear. And we're all assuming that Manchester City are going to win and go the season 100%. You know, they're going to, it's going to be a perfect end to the season. I genuinely believe that City will slip up at some point. Like, I, I couldn't tell you what game. I'm not going to make any predictions. I just feel the run-in with the Real Madrid games tucked in. I think in between the sort of Everton away, um, there is going to be a moment in the season where they're just going to slip up completely unexpectedly. Now, the pressure is on us because the room for error 
is now getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And when you look at the next four games, guys, on the right-hand side, courtesy of PremierLeague.com, and you look at what Newcastle did to Spurs, for example, yesterday, and they're in the hunt for a Champions League spot. Chelsea, I know they've got Frank Lampard, but at some point, at some point, losing 14 out of 17 games is going to stop. It's going to change. And Brighton, who are playing the most wonderful football, our next four fixtures look very, very difficult. Yem, I want to come to you, your thoughts. So you can see the league table. That's the top two. We are still top, but of course, City have those two games in the bank. When you look at our next four, Yem, it's probably the worst question to ask you of all people. How confident and optimistic are you feeling, Yem? Um, it's really hard to quantify right now just because it, we're so inconsistent. If if Saliba was there and it's a, if spots and maybes, we I would feel a lot more confident. The fact is, Rob Holding, as you know, you discussed in the last slide, not a slight on Rob Holding, but unfortunately, the facts are the facts. Since he's come in, we have looked more shaky in the defensive side. It's just how things are. And these next few games, we always knew were going to be crunch time. We knew we looked at the fixture list when the fixture list was revised. We knew this was where it was going to tell. And we were confident, obviously, with our fully fit squad. We would do well in those ones. Now it's obviously a little bit of a hit and miss. Honestly, Chelsea's a bit of a, a crapshoot. I, I think Chelsea, we should still win, given that they, they can't score a goal for love nor money. Um, and it, it's at the Emirates. But again, the biggest problem I have right now is that we are making silly mistakes, individual errors as well. You know, I, I know we didn't touch upon it in the Southampton game, but for all the talk of Jesus saying the senior players should step up, the senior players caused the problems in the Southampton game. Zinchenko didn't mark properly and was not effective at the set piece. Jesus had two clear, clear chances. And then we talk about the, the party shot at the end. Senior players are going missing. And if we have more players going missing in these games, then we are going to suffer because these are, as you said, Faisal, these are key, key games against tough opposition. Newcastle are, they, they lost against Aston Villa, granted, but the performance against Tottenham was a demolition job. Chelsea have quality. They can impact us. But again, we should get through that. Brighton, as you said, playing very good football, got through to the semi-final, should never have lost it. And then we obviously we're going to talk about the big one. But these are tough, tough fixtures. I am, I am worried. I, I think we have the quality in the attacking sense. I worry about us defensively and in an organisation capacity and individually that we're going to keep causing errors because it's happened so many times now that's what worries me more than anything yeah there's a lot of people in the chat who are not happy that i've listed these fixtures uh akello michael with the best comment fk breaking my soul by displaying the fixture list that certainly wasn't my aim big man uh Henke Ho's in the chat to cheer everybody up easy 12 points guys you know what's all the fuss about never in doubt uh wayne i want to, I want to get your thoughts i mean um the fixture list is not looking too great. And if Saliba is gone for the season, as many have said in the chat, you can't carry a centre-back. You can't carry players that are backup players in this crunch time of the season. You look at Manchester City. In contrast, they have not a single injury in their squad. Oh, Nathan Ake, I guess. Um, but up until the weekend, every single player in that squad was fully fit. You look at the bench. There's an image going around of the Manchester City bench towards the end of the FA Cup tie. I mean, the bench alone was probably more expensive than our entire entire first eleven. So, 
Oh, mate, how are you feeling, Wayne? Well, apart from the Manchester City game, I'm not as down on our fixture list as a lot of Arsenal fans. And the reason is I'm more concerned about if we get through this set of four, I'm more concerned about us then playing the likes of Nottingham Forest and Wolves. Because if you think about how we've played this season, if you think about the way we've played football, think about our big games in particular. I can't think of a big game we haven't shown up. And I'm talking about top six, top four, those sort of big games. Yes, Southampton was a big game. Yes, West Ham was a big game for other reasons. But our record against our quote-unquote rivals have been pretty good this year. And probably by a little bit of all of our surprises, we 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 more than challenged at Anfield. We were fantastic for the first half. We slipped off in the second half, but we got a positive result there. One at Spurs away for the first time in God knows how many years. Cakewalked them at the Emirates. At Stamford Bridge, we had a fantastic performance. It was controlled. It was only 1-0, but it was one of the most dominant 1-0s of the season. Even if you think back to the Emirates game against Manchester City, first half, we were the better side. It's just that in that second half, we made a silly individual mistake and then our heads just kind of went all over the place. In that Manchester City game, I can't even, I can't say that the full performance was poor. I think we played quite well. So these are the sort of games that I don't really have sort of a, a concern about our performance levels. Whether we come out with the, with the result is a different thing. But I always see us stepping up to the plate in these types of games. It's if we do come out of this stretch of four with some positive results, it's the games after that I can am a little bit concerned by because those are the ones this season anyway we've been more likely to slip up. Indeed. Uh, as we move through to the Opta predictor, the title racer, Opta analyst, they've been doing this all throughout the season. And at one stage, just a few weeks ago, Arsenal were favourites, according to the predictor, 55 point something percent we were. Now it looks like Manchester City have a four in five chance of winning this league and Arsenal being ranked in at 21.9%. Now, I, don't, I obviously don't know the, the maths and the science that goes into this, but it's interesting reading nonetheless. It has been fairly even for the first, for the last sort of, you know, for, for the first few months of this calendar year, let's say, but it looks ominous. Um, I guess one way to change that, Wally, is to go to the Etihad and to win. And that is, of course, the one that's coming up this Wednesday, the title showdown. Now, before we go into like who we might play and where we might get, you know, good performances and stuff from, how do you feel about this game, Wally? Because we're going to go up. Um, as we joked at the start of the show, I can't think of anything else apart from this fixture. I just want to be there. We will be there. We will be there. I just want to be there. I want to take it all in. You know, it's is is it boom or bust for Arsenal? I mean, is it as simple as that, Wally? Uh, yes, unfortunately, it is. Um, w listen, Man, Man City, they are not going to go between now and the end of season winning every single game. I mean, it's possible anything's possible, but they would have then gone, what, 14 unbeaten. I, 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 don't, I don't see it. They will drop points, especially particularly around the the time when they have Real Madrid and they go Everton away. Those that kind of um, that kind of period is is difficult uh, because they're going to have to switch from such a high pressure game where they've got Real Madrid to suddenly going to Everton, where you know completely different style. They have to change their thinking, so they're not going to go up until the end of the season, winning every single game. Now, what we need to do is make sure that we beat them here. And it always comes down to that saying that you have to take points of your rivals. You just have to. And that's the way to win the league. Um, 
if we do beat them here, okay, it's going to give us a massive psychological boost. Um, I, I don't think you could even um, you can put into words how massive that would be. And my feeling in this game is has actually been my feeling in the last three, four games, where if we concentrate on our football, just play our game, for me, we will have no trouble with Man City. All right? I know they've got such good players, but we need to play our game. And these last three or four games, they, I know there are factors, okay? One or two players are not up to it. You know, we've got Rob Holding, who's, who's, not, who's not up to it. But if we stick to playing our game, right, we can we can win it and unfortunately this is this is where all that talk comes about having experience of being there before okay where these teams know that they they just have to concentrate on getting the getting the results whereas for us we might be thinking oh my god this is basically do or die right okay and pressure gets to you um again kind of these last three it's it's really really strange because these last three games where we have dropped points i can't really say it was the pressure that got to us it's just small things like being cocky, lack of concentration. We were the architects of our own downfall. And in many ways, that could be a positive because we know we can address that because these are things in our control that we can address. If we, if we turn around, if we had a look at it and saw that, right, we buckled because of the pressure. Now that's something not necessarily in your control because if we hadn't been in a title race before, how do we know how to deal with the pressure? You know, we've got no experience of it. How do how do we approach games? Do we need to change something in our preparation? But actually, you have to say that Arteta has actually prepared us very, very well for these games. You look at that first 20 minutes or so against both Liverpool and West Ham. We were playing our game and we were blowing them out of the water, right? Okay, it, it, it just was not even a contest. And I don't see it being any different at the Etihad, right? Okay. Everyone talks about going to Anfield, the Anfield atmosphere. No one talks about the Etihad atmosphere. It's full of tourists and empty seats, right? We go there, we play our game, we can win it. The question is, will we do that? And we need all 11 players to be up to it. We were talking about Ramsdale earlier, right? Having a little bit of growing up to do. Every single player needs to know that, right, as soon as you start feeling the pressure, just remember that you have to play your own game and you will blow these guys out the water. I'm not saying we disrespect Man City in any, in, in any case, but we have to know that we are better. We've been top for pretty much the whole season for a reason, because we are the better side, uh, footballistically at least. I'm glad you ended on that, because, yeah, I want to ask you a slightly different question. Arsenal have been top of the league for all but four weekends of this Premier League season, which is remarkable. None of us, the four of us, we would never have guessed that that would be be happening. And of the hundreds who have tuned in live on this on tonight's show, I don't think there's one person that could have said, oh yeah, Arsenal will be top for the vast majority of the season. For the first time though, the pendulum at such a, such a key time as well, unfortunately, the pendulum seems to have moved to the other way. And, and actually Arsenal aren't the, the clear outright leaders because City have those two games in hand. Do you think that works in our favour, Yem? Do you think, the pressure now is, I guess, offest in that regard. Like everyone's talking about us bottling it. Everyone's talked about us. Well, you know, it's now it's City's title to lose. Do you think that maybe, you know, there was, um, I was listening to the Ask Blog, the excellent Ask Blog podcast today, and James Gunnerblog was saying, he said something, he shared an anecdote about watching the London Marathon, and the commentator was saying that the leader of the race just constantly kept looking back at the guy who was chasing him down. And the mental fatigue that that has on the leader when you're leading a race and you constantly look back and you see number two, the, the, the guy in second place, you know, not tiring, not slowing down, the gap not getting bigger, that can play on your mind 
And now all of a sudden, do you think there's a there's a bit of there's you know those images we talked about at the end of the Southampton game? Do you think there's a belief maybe in the Arsenal camp that look just relax? We've had such a good season. It's now not in our hands. City are favourites, and everyone's talking up Man City. Just go there and like Wally says, play your game, enjoy it. Use you know use the youthful exuberance that you have as a team as a squad to your advantage. Play with no fear. Go there, lay it down, play the game that we all know and love that you can do, and just see what happens. Do you think that kind of works in our favour, or am I talking total bollocks? It's an interesting psychological question because, to your point, the players must have been down, and and how are they feeling after the Southampton game, and how are they coming into this Man City game? I'm kind of with you. I want them to play with no fear and go with what gets what's got them to the dance already, which is their attacking prowess. I think we all know we have areas of concern, but the attack is not one of them. We are, you know, when when our front three are on it, they and, and include I also Odegaard, Odegaard, they're on it. Play with no fear. I agree with you. Look, unfortunately, we are where we are. If we were further ahead, I think they may have closed up slightly. And I think Arteta's nature is to be very pragmatic. We don't have that luxury anymore. I think it's now a time for look. We may, you know, we may have, I, I, we're still ahead. Look, the facts are the facts. We are, they have two games in hand, but we are still have the points on the board. City have to win those two games. And as you said, the skip, the fixture list is a tough one. I, we all know that City are well capable of winning that, but they still have to do it. Go there, play with no fear, play like you are what you're supposed to be, a big team. You have been at the top of the table for most of the season. Go with what you know attack them, make it uncomfortable. If you lose, at least you've left it all on the table. That's the main thing. If you shy away and you let them up and you open yourself up and they absolutely walk over you, that's not what you want. Go there, show what you're made of, give it your best shot because that's all we can do now. Whatever happens will happen now. The end, you know, we're coming to the end of the of a beautiful story at the moment. We have done so well this season. Let's not take away from it. I know we've been in a tight race and I know we're all disappointed. I am as well. But let's not take away from what an amazing season this is. We've brought the, Arteta has brought the club together, the fans together. We've, we're challenging again. We're, we're challenging. That's a major statement now that we are back where we're supposed to be. But we have to go into this game with that mentality. We are, we are a big club. We dominated them. And it was down to, as, as well he'd said and you said, individualistic errors we have to get those out of the system play to your game attack them make it uncomfortable Nathan Ake should be out Saka should be getting in there Martinelli should be revved up he has been so on form Jesus it is against his former club he should be making it so difficult make them work for it we know they're an attacking threat but make them work for it and make them feel uncomfortable so that at least we're giving ourselves a fighting chance of winning the game and trying to win this league. If we don't, then you've then there are no hurt feelings. I will say you've left everything on the table and you've given everything to win this title. But don't shy away from it. Don't go defensive. Don't be scared about attacking them. Give it your all. That's all I would ever ask of them. And I hope that's what most of the fan base ask of them. Well, it says they'd rather lose 6-2 and go out there swinging that attempt. Absolutely. Just go out there and leave it all, all out there on the park. Wayne, Yem mentions um, Saka and Martinelli, and I think they're probably shining light uh, in terms of what, what's going to happen. But before we talk about those two, I've just missed, missed, missed run the order of my slides. The question to you, Wayne, is, look, it is all or nothing. 
And Jamie Carragher said on on the sort of post-match sort of thoughts, if Arsenal win this game, they will win the league. And Arsenal have a rich history of going to grounds up and down the country and winning when it matters most. You can see these images courtesy of now underscore Arsenal. 1989, we had to go and get a result at Anfield. We had to beat Liverpool in front of their own fans by a two-goal margin. And of course, Mickey Thomas, the rest is history. 2002, Arsene Wenger's men go to Old Trafford, winning the league. Will Tord, do you remember that? And the and the the the, the as it Carnu jumping over Will Tord's head, and Arsene Wenger clenched fists in the in the in the stands. Could it be Wayne that we go to the Etihad? I mean, Arsenal like to do things the hard way. How are you feeling, Wayne? Before we look at team news and lots of people chatting about how we should set up and who we should play, how are you feeling? Are, are you are you buoyed by some of this sort of nostalgia? Me, I'm personally not. No. <laughs> I'm, I'm bricking All right, it. Yeah, I'm, I mean. I'm, I'm absolutely bricking it. But we've got a song for this very occasion. We chant it every single week, home and away. We've won it literally everywhere. And if the Etihad has to just be one of those places that we add to the list, winning at Old Trafford, winning at White Hart Lane, winning at Anfield, winning at Stamford Bridge, we've only gone and done it the hard way every single time that we've had to win a title. So... The Etihad is a place that we can go and win. We're not the best team in the league by chance away from home. We've earned that right. We've been fantastic away from home for the vast majority of this season. So there's absolutely no reason why we can't go there and get a result. And I'm just 100% with Yem. I know people, and we'll probably talk a little bit about tactics of the game and and our opinions on that. I don't think we can go there and, and show fear. I don't think we can go there and play scared and basically just say, look, we're afraid of you by that much that we're going to park seven, play, seven players behind the ball and try to hit you on the counter just because it worked, what, three, four years ago or whatever. We're a different team now and these players have earned sort of the right to go and play against the likes of Manchester City at their full potential. And our front three are scary. Erdegaard is scary. We should have Granit Xhaka back and hopefully Thomas Barty can find a little bit more form in the midfield because I think he's had a little bit of a dip in the last couple of games. But I think it's because, as someone said in the chat, he's doing two or three roles at the minute. So there's absolutely no reason why we can't go to the Etihad and pick up. I I, I don't think we have to win, obviously. I was going to ask. So, yeah, tell tell me about this. I don't think we have to win. Just don't lose. If we do win, amazing. You can almost sort of say that we've got one hand on the title if we do win. But just don't lose because, like you said, I think that Manchester City will slip up at somewhere along the line as well. The problem is, with the past two results, I don't know whether we're going to have a chance anymore to catch to capitalise on that slip up just because of some of those freak results the last couple, last couple of weeks. So I, I don't think we have to win. I'd love us to win and obviously go out with the intention of winning and we're capable of winning, but just don't lose. Can I just say, Opta Analyst have said that the probability of winning the league title, so if Manchester City beat us on Wednesday, Arsenal have a 9% chance of winning the league and Manchester City have a 91% chance of winning the league. And again, I must reiterate, I don't know the science behind this sort of stuff, but Opta Analyst is as good as you're going to get in the business, so let's just go with it. If it's a draw, Arsenal's chances of winning the league title go from 21% to 28%, still leaving Manchester City very much in the driving seat at 72%. And if Arsenal win, I mean, I love your anecdote, Wayne. I love the, the, idea, the idea of one hand on the trophy. But the probability swings to Arsenal to 56%. So actually still much closer than I thought. 
and Man City on 44%. I think a lot of people are thinking about the Newcastle game, Brighton game, the Chelsea fixtures. We've got some tough games. Um, oh, I've just noticed a really good chat uh, here from uh, Ginger Guna. I wish I was alive for 1989. You and me both, my friend. You and me both. <laughs> I mean, don't laugh too hard. Hey, yeah. I, I uh, wish it, I was alive for 1989. Oh, shut up. Don't start now. You're at least 40, bro. Um, Izzy, <laughs> thanks very much for the donation to the channel. Really appreciate that. Thoughts about all the party at Right Back Chat, boys. Izzy, hold that thought, my man. And if that's you in the picture, I love your beard game. Love it. Uh, hold that thought because we will talk about uh, team news and stuff in just a second. Wayne, you mentioned the front two, and I want to get all the three of you to kind of talk about this. I, For me, our hope lies with our shining stars, Martinelli and Saka. And again, these images courtesy of now underscore Arsenal, Sam, who is wonderful, doing amazing things on his website. Get following now underscore Arsenal on Twitter. A couple of hundred thousand followers. The guy is gargantuan. These are the goals and assist stats against the big big six clubs throughout their careers. And you can see Martinelli and Saka in particular doing damage when it counts. Wayne, sticking with you, th these are the two that are going to carry us to any sort of glory on Wednesday night. These are the two that we're, we're harboring our hopes in to go and deliver. And if Saka plays the way he has all throughout the season, if Martinelli just runs and runs and runs ragged at the, at the, at the City sort of right back, uh, yeah, I think you mentioned Nathan Aki's going to be out. Um, Nathan Aki did really well against Saka, to be honest, the last time they came out, came out with each other. Probably be Laporte this time. This is where we're going to win it, right, Wayne? It's going to come from these two who have been the shining stars. Yeah, and you have to throw Martin Odegaard in there as well because Martin Odegaard's been fantastic and I think he's gone toe-to-toe -to -toe sort of stats-wise with Kevin De Bruyne this season and that's that's credit to Martin Odegaard and, and his performance for the year. But these two are just, like you said, there are shining lights and they they are kind of built for this stage, even though they're so young and they've not really been doing it for the longest amount of time. They've shown on the biggest stage time and time again that they're able to stand up head and shoulders above everyone else. And this run-in that Martinelli's had since Trossard came into the team, so what was that, the Leicester or the Aston Villa game? That run that Martinelli has gone on for the last sort of six, seven, eight games, he's playing probably the best that he's ever played in an Arsenal shirt. And for us, I think the real positive thing is that our two danger men are in, maybe you could say, the two areas that Manchester City are weakest in. They don't really have a natural left back. And if Nathan Ake is out, who's been fantastic this season, Saka against Laporte should be something that we... That's very disrespectful of a comment, by the way, Ginger Guna. I've just seen that. <laughs> that's why I bought it. Um, <laughs> I think it's fair. It's a fair comment, Ginger Guna. Please feel free to. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to need to see some ID next time, Wayne. Yeah, you need to prove that age. <laughs> Go on. But no, as I was saying, up against Laporte, Bukayo Saka, he should certainly relish that opportunity. He should be tearing him apart. And on the other side, we don't really know if Manchester City is even going to play a right back. It will probably be John Stones going from right back to the, the that DM position that he's been playing recently for, for Manchester City. So he's going to have a whale of a time and a lot of space to run into. So I fully trust these guys to show up. It's just whether or not the rest of the team can show up with them. Ollie, just before I come to you to get your thoughts on this, Lynn Simpson is back in the chat. Good evening, folks. Not been on for a while. Lynn, it's great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. Really appreciate that. And do stay in the chat, Lynn. Um, Wally, these two have been phenomenal this season. The numbers that they are putting together, I think there's a there's some sort of a comment going around about the numbers they're putting in comparison to sort of Ronaldo and Wayne Rooney, like the highest numbers in terms of goals and assists for two young boys. 
Um, we've got two phenomenal talents on our hands. Hopefully, Bukayo Saka commits his future to Arsenal. I know they're talking about it. They've agreed it or whatever, but it's just not been signed and announced. Um, if we're going to get anything from the Etihad, surely it comes to these two turning it on on the night. Um, yeah, these two. And actually, I would also throw Gabi, uh, Gabi Jesus in there. Obviously, he knows that club. He's played against those defenders. He's trained against them. He knows He knows how to play them. Right. And I'm, I'm sure they know a lot about him as well. And, you know, we've played City twice this season and neither time has he has he, has he featured in that. So he's going to be very, very important, not just for our attack liner, but for how these two are going to perform, because they feed off him so much. Um, and yeah, again, obviously, Nathan Aki being out is, is a massive positive. We need to make sure that we get both of these guys on their fullbacks and we make, need to make sure that we get Jesus as much on the ball as possible and not kind of dropping so deep as he did in these last couple of games that we've seen him do. I know there's kind of um, reasons for him having having done that a lot um, purely because of I don't know how deep Partey's uh, been falling falling back as uh, as Wayne said. But we need to get Jesus to play his natural game, and these two will then the goals will come. I think you're right, uh, Yembi. Before I come to you, a couple of uh, chats. Um... Sanjana Sundaraj says Laporte is good. People talk about him like he's a scrub. Look, I think that was more of a testament to Ake because I think Ake handled Saka really well. And I think Ake is actually just underrated. I mean, I was surprised when he moved to Manchester City, but the way he handled Saka um, in the last game, phenomenal. And actually, I think that's a real plus because I don't think Laporte's got the the movement uh, that, that, that Ake has. Shane Hamilton. Um, I remember 89, dropped points against Derby and Wimbledon. Everybody thought it was over, and the rest is history. Uh, Simon Marie following up by saying, spirit of 89. Uh, I love that. Yembele, let's let's talk about the team news. Lots of people in the chat talking about who they'd play and what they'd do. Let's look at our starting lineup. This was our starting lineup from the weekend. Here are some of the players that had sort of missed out, um, still missing out if you look at if you think about Emil Smith Rowe. But um, what changes are you making, Yem, on Wednesday night? You know, you're this is not this is not so much Mikel, you're if you're Mikel, what do you think Mikel's going to do? You're in charge of the team. What changes are you making? Who are you bringing in? And you know, I'm talking. You know, does Rob Holding sit out? Do you play Tierney at right back? Right back because he's done it for Scotland apparently. Do you play Party at right back? Do you bring Jorginho in? Do you maybe not even feature Jesus and bring on Leo Trossard? As so many people have said in the chat. What are your thoughts, Yem? And I will come to Wayne and Molly as well. That's a really hard one. Shaka has to play. I think you know. Everyone's scapegoated him in the past and people have started to love him this season, but the Southampton game showed how much we missed him. His control in the midfield, his defensive ability just to cover space. Vieira was nowhere. So Xhaka has to be back if he's fit. Starts. The defence up front, no question. It's the four who have done the business all season, as we just talked about on the last slide. The question now becomes in the defence. I've been toing and froing with this all since the Southampton game and all weekend. Um, my heart tells me he will not change anything. He will keep it as it is. Me personally, I would have some more mobility in that defence and I would actually bring Jakob Kiwio in. I know it's a risk. He has not played enough. But I would go with the mobility option because you're playing against a team who will pass, pass, pass and then one ball into Haaland and he is gone. And if it's against Rob Holding, we saw it at the FA Cup game, he will do what he has to to get back, but we'll probably get yellow carded and that's the game done for him because he can't do anything else. And every time the ball goes into Haaland, it will be gone, gone, gone. I don't think he Jorginho should play. At the Etihad. 
No, this is me personally because yeah, I know that's what I'm asking. So you, yeah, because you I just think the pay. I wow. just think the pay. Uh, just, just for the the pace and giving uh, the ability to play the high line. That's all it is. I know he hasn't played much, but it's the attributes. I don't want to put Partey into a right back position because I think that compromises our midfield. And midfield is still a key area. You've got Rodri, you've got Bernardo Silva, you've got Kevin De Bruyne. For all of this, Grealish as well. Look. The fact is, is that Morris. <laughs> yeah, look, it, 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 it's a daunting task. Let's not understate this. They are a superlative team. They made a Bayern Munich team look like a pub team, if we be very honest. Um, it is a incredibly hard scenario. Me personally, I would get as much speed and recoverability pace in that backline as possible because I think the problem is, is that, and I'm I'm, I'm batting I'm bat, you know I'm batting the Rob Holding stick again is that with Rob Holding Zinchenko's having to drop deeper Ben White is shaky it just compromises everyone's ability to do what they've been doing all season to me personally so it's a risk I accept that it is more a case of the physical attributes and what the player can bring to our overall formation but for me personally I think he will stick with what he has and just bring Xhaka back I don't see him changing it but that's how it is. Wally, your thoughts? So shout there for Xhaka coming back. Um, keep the front four the same. Yem yeah, saying bring in Kivior because he's presumably, like many of us, the, the PTSD of the of sort of Rob Holding's inclusion. What are you doing, Wally? If you're the gaffer, what's your starting eleven? I'll be honest, I don't actually disagree with Yembele on this. I think um, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> So one of one of the weaknesses that teams exploit is the space that's in behind Zinchenko. And me personally, I would go three at the back um, with um, with Gabriel, Ben White, and Kivio. So what Kivio would do was is give us a little bit of security on that left hand side, um, and would play Zinchenko and Party just in front of them on a double pivot, and then the rest of the P- team really pick itself. Um, what I think, hey, you, hang on, you, you got to tell me about Kivior, man. Like, the guy's played so, Ki- five Ki- minutes Ki- at Anfield. He's not yeah, even played I mean, for Arsenal, and you're chucking him in in the title showdown. Are you mad? The, the reality, the reality is that if you're, what's the point in signing a player if you're not going to play him, right? Okay, he did, he and didn't even play him against Anfield at home. Sorry, Sorry, man. I keep yeah, it. I'm, course, I'm interrupting like Yemen. Go on. Well, the thing is, right? Here's the thing. People are like, oh, well, you should have, if he's going to do this, he should have tried this at Southampton at home. But you're not going to play Southampton the same way you're going to play against Man City. And you can't set up for Southampton thinking about the next game because it sends the wrong message out to the team thinking that, oh, well, this is not the important game. We're just preparing for the next game, right? You, you prepare for the game that you're playing. Um, with Kivio, he's, I mean, his attributes are the fact that he's very left-sided. He's played as a left-back. He's even played as a left-centre midfielder. Right. Okay. A three at the back means that there's not as much pressure because you've got someone as good as Gabriel who can cover. Um, and he's he's physical. He's very, very quick as well. He's very quick. So there's a lot of recovery pace there. And what it allows is Zinchenko to move in and do Zinchenko things, which is go into midfield, support party and effectively play as a double pivot in front of them. Personally, what I think Arteta will do is I think he's going to go with the same lineup. I think he's going to play Rob Holding and his thinking will be that actually we're not going to play such a high line up at the Etihad. 
So that whole risk factor of Rob holding, being there and not being able to kind of handle playing so high up, being against um, being against Holland is not necessarily there. And I think that's going to be his thinking behind it. I mean, I'd be surprised. Reality is that this experiment with Rob, Rob holding hasn't worked. Right. OK, you can play him against certain teams, likes of Leeds at home, Crystal Palace. I mean, really, Southampton at home should have worked as well. Right. But when you it, when it's not working, it hasn't worked in three games. It means the system is broken. Right. And a lot of people turn around and say, oh, you can't you can't try something new at Etihad. Well, you can't go with a failed system either. Right. OK, and this, this system hasn't worked. He has to do something different. And I think, you know, he's he's going to look at it more as in, um, no, we're going to play our game. And, um, you know, there, there are certain things that are not the same. It's not the same as playing Southampton. Um, Rob Holding will be fine playing alongside Ben White. And he might he might just play a double pivot in front, whereas you usually get Shaka going, being effectively the fifth attacker. Um, he might just play as an old school double pivot with Shaka and Partey just to give that extra bit of protection. Well, not to your surprise, I disagree with you. I don't, I don't think Kivio should be anywhere near the starting lineup, but I shall explain why. But before I do that, Izzy in the chat again with another contribution to the channel. Really appreciate it, my man. Shy Heart Lane 71, Anfield 89, Old Trafford 02, Empty Had 2023 with a, with a winky face. The boys can write history on Wednesday. And he also followed up with a really good uh, message, uh, which I seem to have lost, but I'm going to find it. Uh, it's about Jorginho and how he's had good games against it. I'd love to see him start. His experience is crucial. Uh, that, that's a really good point, Izzy, because that, that's kind of my team. But I'll, I'll maybe... Um, you know, complete the set once uh, Wayne's given his thoughts on the lineup. And before I come to you, Wayne, Steve Foote's been mentioning in capital letters. Thanks. Uh, FK, I've seen this scenario before. Leeds lost at home to Spurs and WBA in West Bromwich Albion in 71. And it can happen again. Leeds were said to be unbeatable. Stop the negativity, in my opinion. Thank you, Stephen. Um, Wayne, your thoughts on lineup. I'm actually amazed that both of these chaps have said that they're chucking Kivior at the Etihad. Where do you stand on that? But what else would you do with the team, Wayne? Um, yeah, I'm surprised that Kivior's being mentioned as much as he is. Um, I think if you're going to go back three, you probably go back three with Kieran Tierney as one of the three centre-backs. And you have Kieran Tierney probably as the left centre-back, Gabriel in the middle, and then you have Ben White as, as your, your right centre-back. And then you probably have Saka as your right wing back so to speak but yeah i just i just don't see us doing that i think we're going to go there and i think we've kind of made our bed now so we just have to lie in it we go in there we go into there with rob holding as the center back we go in there with granite jacker starting over fabio vieira and you go in there with what is your best team in your best shape in the best way that you've played football all season and you just kind of roll the dice and, and you go with it um it you're going to probably talk a little bit about Jorginho. That gives me more nightmares than the thought of Rob Holding playing against Haaland. The thought of Jorginho being in a midfield running against the Manchester City midfield is more scary than the thought of Rob Holding starting at the back for me. I don't want Jorginho anywhere near that pitch unless it's like 2-1 with 10 minutes to go and we want to just keep the ball at our feet and pass it side to side and be boring as hell. I don't care that Jorginho's had good games against Manchester City in the past for Chelsea. He has just shown already in the sort of short space of time that he's been with us that he's so easy to bypass and he's so easy to run through. 
And against Manchester City and Kevin De Bruyne in particular, I just don't really think that that's a risk that you're willing and will be able to take. Um, I don't think we move party to right back to play Ben Wyatt centre back to start Jorginho in the midfield. I just don't see Mikel Arteta basically making three changes in personnel and position in a starting lineup for such a big game. I just think we go there, we start Rob Holding at right centre back, and what happens happens. So, so what Zinchenko doesn't play for you? No, he would do a left back. I'm saying if you were to go back through, oh, you mean left wing back? Uh, as yeah, in... yeah, you'd have Zinchenko. Right, okay. Your back three slash five would be Zinchenko, Tierney, Gabriel, uh, Ben White, and Saka. I guess if you if yeah. you want Rob Holding out of the team, I wouldn't yeah. start Kivior at all. If you are going back three for me, Kieran Tierney would come in. But I don't think we will go back three. I don't think we should go back three. Stick with the back four. Stick with Rob Holding. It hasn't worked up till now, but hey, like I said, we've made our bed. We've got a lie in it now. Yeah, it's a really interesting one. I mean, look on Jorginho. Um... Actually, I think what you said about Party is right. I think Party is so good at what he does on his day in central midfield when Holding's not playing, when he doesn't have to cover two or three roles, that actually moving him out and playing him at right back, which apparently he did for Atletico Madrid and did it really well, played against us <laughs> right back at Atletico Madrid. Um, I don't want to see him out there. I'd like to think that Saka's got the legs on him to do that wing back sort of right wing back position when we're defending. But of course, when we're attacking, he needs to be in that final third, just running at Laporte if it's going to be him all throughout the game. Jorginho for me is just, he's, I, I, I appreciate De Bruyne is a runner. It causes chaos, havoc. But um, there is a reason why he's played at top clubs and won all the awards that he has and, and came third in the Ballon d'Or. Like there is a good player in there. And maybe this is the sort of scene. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is the sort of game that he sort of needs and might thrive in. But again, it's a big risk. I certainly wouldn't be chucking Kivior in. I'd be very open to trying three at the back. But holding for me, I think the way that I think about it is that if, if Arteta goes in and plays holding, you know exactly what you're going to get. And you're probably going to concede and you're probably not going to win. That's how I feel. Right? Could be wrong. Could go there and win. I get that. I appreciate that. So I think, Mikel, in this situation, had we been 11 points clear or 7 points clear, I wouldn't have minded that because, you know, you lose the game, doesn't matter, dust, dust yourselves off, go again against Chelsea. Um, but I think Mikel's got to do something here. Like, everyone's talking about it. The team look unsettled with Saliba not being there and Holding being in there. Change it, man. Do something. I don't know what the solution is, but I kind of, I'm, I'm very open to the idea of playing uh, Tierney, Gabriel and... Uh, ben White like the idea of Sinchenko playing sort of left wing back and coming into midfield get that Xhaka party in the middle Erdegaard Martinelli Saka Jesus um, and Saka would be the sort of guy who drops in but then if you don't have a foot proper full-time right wing back against Grealish you're asking for trouble so <laughs> I just don't know I don't one know one of the things FK I mean do you know against against Southampton um the most passes holding played was exchanging with Ben White and with Thomas Partey, right? Okay, and we played a back four. Now, if we're going to a back five, or if you, if if we are to take the scenario where Xhaka would effectively come back and play as a double pivot, you're opening up another passing lane for him, right? So, this is why I think that Arteta will probably go with the same lineup because he's got, he knows that we're going to play a bit more deeper. But if he brings back one of the midfielders a bit deeper and, you know, really Fabio Vieira should have done that a lot more against uh, Southampton. But Shaka, I feel, 
um, has a bit more to his game, and he, I think he, he could he could provide an extra extra passing lane, so that even if Partey comes as deep as he has been, there's someone to then help build the play up from from deep. And I think uh, I think that's one of the reasons I think Arteta might probably just say, you know what, I'm not going to overthink this, right? Okay, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna use what I have. I'm just going to create more avenues of passing just to just to um, facilitate holding sh- shortcomings, and we're just going to go from there. The the one Look, question just sorry before, before no go for it please just the one question on like the Rob Holding situation obviously I think one of the criticisms or one of the things that a lot of Arsenal fans in general have said about Mikel Arteta is if you're one of the, sort of the trusted core if you're one of the if you're one of the main guys and he kind of trusts you he isn't as ruthless as he is with some of the guys that he doesn't really trust if he takes Rob Holding I, I, and I would consider Rob Holding one of his trusted guys in and around the dressing room and behind the scenes and character-wise. If he takes Rob Holding out of this team, you can't then go back to him regardless of the result against Manchester City. Let's say we win. Rob Holding then doesn't come back in for Chelsea. If we lose, you can't then go back to Rob Holding, I don't think. Doesn't that then have potential knock-on effects for somebody that he trusts? And listen, I'm all on board with Rob Holding potentially moving on in the summer or having a lesser role to play in the squad I just don't see Mikel Arteta being that ruthless and not really placing the blame on Rob Holding by removing him but in essence placing the blame and saying well it's kind of your fault and we're we're changing it up and then we're just never really going to see Rob Holding again that's kind of the end of his Arsenal career don't you think yeah I mean I I, I can't see Rob Holding being at Arsenal beyond this summer I just can't see it I think wait uh, not, not, huh? sorry go for FK no, not not because um, of Arsenal fans not being happy with him, but I just genuinely think Arteta's going to go and strengthen. That's just my thought. I know, Wally, you've got some thoughts about Rob Holding being sort of fourth-choice centre-back and actually it's not the end of the world if he's stuck around and he's well-liked in the dressing room, but I just can't see him being here beyond the summer. Yeah, I mean, do you know what it is, right? We We ideally needed to have another right back so that in scenarios like this and given Tommy Asa's fitness as well um you know we we would have had we have, we have had a bit of a fallback but Wayne does make a very interesting um point there in that we are given kind of the news that's coming out about Saliba today I think David Ornstein has said that he's he's not going to make the City game the chances are that he's probably we're not going to see Saliba until next season now so yeah. our option will have to be Rob Holding. And again, kind of the last thing you want to do is get shot of his confidence. And looking overall, I don't think the what happened at Southampton, Arteta will see that as a problem that was with Rob Holding. Okay, there was a lot of areas which, um, which players didn't stand up. They hid um, it, uh, at many points. And in against West Ham as well, you know, playing uh, playing Tierney as well, it didn't it didn't help our situation. I don't think Arteta's going to look at it and think, right, well, this is where the problem is. Holding's the issue. Let's get let's get him out because he's he's, he's going to need him. There's still there's another five six games to play this season. Yeah, another shout, Trossard, Neil Gunnison in the chat saying Trossard must start with Jorginho. We, I mean, are, are we all agreed? It's the front four as it is. Jesus, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli, okay. Unequivocal mm. there. And one shout that just came up that I didn't think about, and I've just lost the chat, but I think it was Tavo Ruiz who says, player back three, Tierney, Gabriel White, Sinchenko and Reese Nelson as a right wing back. Is that possible, Wally? 
I think Reese Nelson did play some games in that role uh, early in the Arteta's tenure. So it's not it's not going to be alien to him. He's got he's got pace, um, you know, so he can match up to Grealish. The problem is that is he that good at defending one on ones? You know, that's the problem. But then, you know, having uh, Ben White as a bit of cover and then Rob holding after that, yeah, it could work. I don't think it's a I don't think it's a completely um, crazy idea. Yeah, Shane Hamilton just summing it up really for me. Such a shame that we've not been able to play our strongest team against City in either league game uh, and, of course, in the FA Cup. And that, for me, is the biggest shame. Thomas Partey, of course, missing the game at the Emirates, which we were so good in, so dominant in, just wasteful in front of goal. And, of course, tomorrow night, uh, sorry, Wednesday night, William Saliba will not be in the team. Um, Let's have your score predictions. So if you're watching in the chat, hundreds of you watching live now, please do drop a like on the video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. We are edging in on 20,000 subscribers. Press like. It really helps with the algorithm on YouTube. And let me have your score prediction in the chat. And that's where we're going to go to, guys, with you guys. So um, end of the slides. Uh, Let's have your thoughts on the game. Yem, let's start with you first. You've been quiet for a few minutes. Um, how do you think the game's going to go, Yem? Where do you think the game's going to be won and lost, and what's the score going to be? Well, it's pretty obvious where the game's going to be won and lost. It's whether we can be clinical with our chances, create enough chances to, you know, get those goals. And we need goals. We're not going to be. A, it's not going to be a one, you know, winning by one goal. We're going to have to attack them. That's the only way we're going to win this because defensively we've got deficiencies. So go with your strengths. Go go with the attack and see what happens again lay it all on the table see what happens you can only give it your best shot they will score it's inevitable look for all the if we're you know we will have this kind of mentality where we can't let anything through but the fact is they will get through they've too much quality there not to get through you know i would love to say we could win it but i just don't see it i'll be i'm being really honest with myself I think City are going to probably win it, actually, and I probably think it's going to be a 3-1 to them. I'm just... I, I can't see it. I can't see where that we have enough. I would love to say we were going to lay it all on the line and we can do it, but City are just a very efficient machine and they have picked us off every time we've gone to see them. And De Bruyne every time has done it. And with Haaland, it's not in a contest against Rob Holding. So I think, unfortunately, I can't see them... I can't see us getting a result. It's just how the thing, how the chips are lying at the moment for me. Wayne, doom and gloom from Yembele, as expected. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's a serious opinion. I appreciate it. There's lots of doom and gloom in the chat, and I'll bring some comments up in a minute. Yeah. But what are your thoughts, um, Wayne? I can understand it, and I'm not optimistic about sort of going there and getting a win, but stranger things have happened in football. I actually think it's going to be sort of a cagey affair. I don't think Manchester City are going to come in and sort of, even if we're upholding Spain, I don't think they're going to walk all over us. If we do concede, I do think it will come from some sort of silly mix-up or silly slip-up of some sort of individual mistake. But I do see us scoring. And I think, when I think about the game, I just... I know we are disappointed at the fact that we've not won in the last three against sort of West Ham, Liverpool and Southampton the other night. But we're on a stretch at the minute of being unbeaten in 10. And I don't think a lot of people are really talking about that. I know Manchester City are unbeaten in a long time as well. So I'm going to go with a draw just simply because we don't know at the minute how to lose and neither do Manchester City. I think it will finish 1-1. A lot of people aren't talking about Arsenal's run and, and our good friend Paddy Arsenal 
tweeted something like, and you know, if he's watching, forgive me if I get it wrong, but something like, only Arsenal can be five points clear at the top of the league, seven wins in a in a row, three draws, including one at Anfield, and you still feel like shit. <laughs> like only Arsenal. Um, Wally, my my driver for Wednesday night as we go up. What are your thoughts, man, on uh, on the game? I mean, come on, give me something I mean, to believe in. Okay, look, uh, what I say now and what I'm going to tell you in, in the car while we're driving is going to be completely different. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, because on, on the day, you, you know we're going to be bricking in. On the day, I'll be like, mate, we're going there to see a 5-0 thrashing, right? Okay, but right now, <laughs> I think that, yeah, we can win out, we can win out there, right? Okay, I think we can win 3-1 out there. The... The the reason for it is it's you know it's not it's not out of nowhere right. Let me explain myself, okay. <laughs> so there's a science behind this. There there is there is there is. If you if you if you just bear with me for a bit, right? Generally under Arteta, when we've gone through periods where we've dropped points, it's come in blocks of about three games, four games, right? And then we go on a run, okay? We win like four or five in a row. So realistically, what we need to do is survive this game. Right. Okay. And then we can look ahead. Okay. Even if we come out with a draw, there's there's something there to hold on to. Right. Okay. And something to build on. And I think when push comes to shove, he does figure it out. We look back at last season. Do you remember when we lost three in a row? Okay. I think there was Crystal Palace. There was Southampton. Was the last of those. And he looked at it and saw right. This Sambi Lokonga experiment is not working. Right. Okay. And at that time, I think we lost Lacazette as well. And what he did was that he brought in Elneny and he brought in Eddie Nketiah as we're going to Chelsea away. And everyone's like, hey, what is this lineup? Right. But he got it absolutely spot on. We were sensational that day. And then after that, we went, we beat Man United. Um, and I think we won about four, uh, four, three or four games in a row. Um, but, you know, legs just about ran out. People ran out as well. We had so many injuries. We went out and lost at um, Spurs. But I think. Because of that, he after a block of three or four games, he tends to figure it out because he knows a bit more. He knows how to how to tweak it, um, and kind of the last thing I'll say, and this is just you know a little bit out of there, but the last four teams to have won at the Etihad are Brentford, Spurs, Palace, and Chelsea. So you can see the common denominator: all London clubs. Guess who's going to Etihad next? You know. Yeah, I like that. That's, That's all I'm going to say. That's yeah. all I'm going to say. The one thing I will say is the last time, obviously, we're in a group chat with with Wally, and the last time he said we're owed a win was away at Spurs, <laughs> and we were owed a win, and we won at away at Spurs. So he yeah. said we're owed a win against Man City. Maybe he'll be right. Give me a scoreline, Wally. Uh, I am going to go with a two-one to the Arsenal. I was going to say again. It's going to be completely start. different when on of course Wednesday. In the when, we, when we're outside <laughs> yeah. the stadium, we're going to be like a yeah, five 0 city. No, no yeah. doubt. Uh, right, let's go through some of the chat to, to end the show. Trevor Bibbins, I'll go for a three-one to Man. Sorry, hold on, Faisal. What, what about you? What are you going I'll, for? I'll do one at the end. Don't you worry. Another <laughs> end of the game season without a full squad to play a top team. Hashtag Saliba. Stephen Foot in capitals. I like that. I think we will draw two-two. He says. Rofikov three-one to City with a teary face. Uh, O-O says four-one City. Um, Olakunle. 
Lowell says, Arsenal 3-2. I don't think I could take that, Wally, man. 3-2, could you imagine that? Uh, Jared Arundel, thanks for all your comments tonight, uh, tonight, Jared. He says, 2-0, Jesus and Erdegaard, Martinelli and White assist. I love how your mind is working, my friend. Uh, give me some of what you're having. Flip Doc says, 2-2. I think both teams will start wanting a win, but settle for a draw later on. I think I'd probably take that. Of course I would. DFC, 3-1 Arsenal. DFC's been confident throughout. He also shouted, Trossard maybe as a, as a right wing back. He's done it for Brighton. Henkeho, a nervy 1-0 Arsenal. We can win this, he says. Simon Marie, 1-1. Saka to score a penalty. Ant, who does go on to say it's going to be tough. 4-1 City. Afsar, there's Yem's burner. 5-1 City. Oh, mate, that journey back, Wally. If that happened, 5-1. That post-match meal at KFC is going to be so, so good. Uh, Izzy says 2-1 to the Arsenal. Last-minute counter-attack goal to win it. What a way that would be uh, to do it. KSSMYW, uh, I missed you in the chat tonight, my man. It says 2-1 to the boys. Smash and grab 94th-minute winner. Then get Black Ops to do a solid snake extraction from Manchester. Solid snake. I like that. I like that. That's exactly what we're going to be doing. Uh, and did come back and say one goal. I think our defense will collapse with the pressure. Potentially. Potentially. Um, uh, OBJ, I don't know what you, what planet you're on. <laughs> I like the, uh, the the picture there. But Arsenal 4-3 is just not going to happen. KS, 3-1 to the Arsenal. <laughs> it's 3-1 to the Arsenal it's happening and the last couple of chats Izzy says that we're due a win against City let's hope the law of averages is on our side this time and Patrick Roberts what are you talking about bro all that talk and then now you can't see it do we look like Norwich to you where is the fight and optimism 3-1 to Arsenal presumably uh, Patrick that was to Yembele and Lim who says we can win 2-1 look for me guys I'm going to get carried away with the romance I think Arsenal are going to do this in, in, in the adversity that we are in I think we're going to go to City. We're going to play our game. We've got nothing to lose. And the focus is a little bit off us. I think we're going to go there. We're going to score. I think City are going to score. No doubt in my mind. But I was going to say 2-1 Arsenal. Um, but, well, you know what? Just to be different and just to end the show on a positive, I go with 3-1 Arsenal. Yembele. I think we're going to go there, lay it down. Mikel Arteta. We're going to come back. Mate. And we're going to get smashed 6-0. But I'm just going to go with 3-1 <laughs> for now, yeah. That's, that's, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, listen, talking, talk, talking of sixes, yeah, uh, we've got to end on this. Uh, obviously, uh, Totteringham's Day, St. Tottering, whatever the bloody hell it's called, right? Um, we have finished above Spurs, which is great. This is, of course, courtesy of Opta Analyst. Um, normal services resume, chaps, and it's great to see. What a way. What a, what a way they've ended this season. Uh, Stellini getting sacked today. Um, who's who's manager to the end of the season? Tim Ryan Mason, Ryan Mason, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan Mason. Same difference, whatever, same bloke. Um, <laughs> like, what a laughing stock, what a club. All of the fan cam videos, fun with flares, who's the Twitter account on, on Twitter, shares all the videos, absolutely wonderful stuff. Uh, any thoughts on the scum? Well, yeah, anything you want to chuck in there? Oh, my God. Do you know what? I loved it today. A, a message from from the chairman, you know, the way they positioned it. It's Honestly, it's Daniel, like he's their Daniel. best mate. <laughs> oh, please. The man has no clue how to communicate. You know, this is someone who literally has been told, you've got to get something out there. Because I've seen it before. Get something written out there. Uh, what do I write? Uh, uh, and he's and he's he's bollocksed it. And the problem is, is that they've lurched from one problem to another. The Newcastle game was just... I don't know what happened there, but honestly... Stellini wasn't ever going to be it. He was a negative manager who'd been under a negative manager. What were you expecting? He'd be playing a brand of football that was not Conte? Honestly, come on. 
it's just wonderful. It's just wonderful how they've the collapsed. Best, and uh, the best go on, tweet, go that, the best tweet that I saw was somebody said that Beyonce is going to have played more times at the new white, uh, the new white heart <laughs> yeah. than Stellini did as man. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant arsenal fans enjoying that well look, there you have it guys um slightly longer show today but listen i hope you've enjoyed it uh we didn't do anything over the weekend my apologies for that but we are we are back and we have a number of games now to go until the end of the premier league season could it be we have to go to the etihad we have to beat man city the best team the best most formed team over the last sort of four or five years current premier league champions we have to go to their gaff we have to come away with something and who knows uh, if you're going to the game uh, if you're going to be there at the Etihad Stadium and you want to be part of a BBC documentary on Mikel Arteta uh, send me a DM on the Twitter uh, there's going to be some reporters that are going to be linking up with me uh, Wally I haven't told you about that yet but anybody else who wants to join in on that documentary come along uh, by the away end and be interviewed and give your thoughts on the gaffer um, that is going to be a wonderful thing but listen look after yourselves last couple of days couple of last few hours before we head to manchester wally i will see you at heathrow as we normally do and um let's go and do it man let's go fogging do it man i think we can do it why not why not we've got nothing to lose we have nothing to lose right it's not in our hands we have nothing to lose just go there lay it down and just give the game of your life arsenal that is all i ask that is all we ask uh look we'll leave it there wayne thank you so much for joining us anybody wants to follow wayne he is at wayne's world 20 underscore uh anybody wants to follow wally he is at one wallid one and anybody who wants to follow yembele he is at verge 59 thanks very much guys really appreciate that look after yourselves and until next time it is of course bye for now 